Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel. Uh, I'm hosting the Leading Technology Show, Today, Tomorrow's Technology, T3, and we're on every Tuesday, uh, and specifically 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time, noon Eastern Standard Time. You can also check out the local listing. We're on on Monday and Tuesday. Check out the local listing at uh, voiceamerica.com, the Variety Channel. As always, I'd like to thank our audience. Uh, we just continue to grow. I'm, I'm just totally amazed at the international audience that continue to li- li- listen to us and also our expansion in the U.S. As a reminder of our audience, because I'd like to remind the audience, why do we have the T3? Why do we discuss new technologies that influence our lifestyle? It's really to bring the uh, the discussion between the scientists, engineers, the innovators uh, to the non-techie folks. We don't get into the real nuts and bolts of the science but how do we use that particular product? What's the benefit of the product? Why do we even use technology? And why is technology so important to us? And especially when it changes our lifestyle. And many of us have been influenced by that. I can only re, uh, recall here as I look at my grandchildren this past weekend, and I looked at them because uh, as much of a technological change we've had in our lifetime, uh, it will quadruple in their lifetime. And, and the opportunity to uh, travel into space, the opportunity to travel faster uh, in, uh, around the world, the opportunity to see things, uh, uh, you know, other than the Internet and, uh, and the capability of storage and big data, artificial intelligence. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that because today's topic is uh, technology forecast for 2020. My guest today is, of course, uh, uh, Bruce Hawks Abbott. Uh, Bruce, of, of course, everybody knows uh, Hawks because he's been a, a space strategist for a long, long time. He's also a pioneer uh, in uh, Space Frontier current and also with the issues uh, involving the Space Force and commercialization of space. Hawks, welcome to the show and specifically technology forecast of 2020. Glad to be here. Okay, as we get started, I want to talk about technology, the products, the the concepts, the exploration uh, of space in the next few years, and and you know uh, for us as we start looking at space again, and and I'm really amazed how long when I start looking at the numbers and the time frame, uh, you know it's been uh, I think approximately 11 years since the U.S. has launched an astronaut. Out in space, we've been riding the uh, the Russian uh, 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 rocket systems and, and stuff like that. We hadn't been back to the moon in 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 several decades now. I think it's thirty to forty years. You can correct me on that, but it's been quite a while. And I keep looking at this as saying, "What are we doing?" But also, I'm looking at the the inventions and the technologies that resulted from the space race. You know, uh, Velcro comes to mind. 
uh, uh, small computing, a lot of the medicine, different types of medicine, artificial intelligence was beginning to be thought about. And now we're moving on into the mainstream. Uh, Can you give me some of those comparison and what do you expect uh, the future uh, space travel to produce in new technologies, new adventures and, uh, and probably new products? Oh, that's a giant question, and I could give you ten answers all at once. The the chip that was on Apollo 11 was an 8012 chip, and you have ten times as much power in that chip in your watch now than was on that uh, first Apollo 11 landing. Uh, it's been since December of 1972 since we've been back to the moon. However, there have been interesting occurrences uh, related to our uh, travels to the moon during the Apollo days. Um, In fact, they went back through some of the uh, film footage they had and were able to digitize it and actually show Buzz Aldrin's face in his uh, helmet that we never did see in the original uh, transmission of the of the Apollo 11 landing. So there, and the fact that flags, uh, the Apollo 11 flag fell over when uh, they launched off the moon uh, and where uh, Apollo 12, 15, and 16 uh, flags are still standing. And we know that because we've been able to get imagery of those exact spots. So just an example of looking back at our success during Apollo uh, the advanced technology allowed us to see it better, i.e., new pictures of the landing sites where people, we can see the uh, actual tracks where people walk across the, uh, the lunar surface in the regolith uh, on Apollo 14 with the rickshaw uh, little, um, you know, grocery cart that was uh, um, wandered around with by Shepard and Mitchell. Yes, and later yes, on, yes. the adventures that went on uh, just in those um, activities of Apollo uh, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, and 17, all six landings, and uh, how we view those today as compared, you know, 50 years later, um, everything would be uh, much easier, more automated uh, landing systems and and uh, because we know how to do it. And that's the, what uh, the advancement of technology does is make the future easier about what we've done in the past. Absolutely. And I, I, when I look at 2020 and I look at uh, probably the seven most exciting uh, space missions for 2020, uh, I mean, we're moving towards Mars. Uh, there's a lot of activity with uh, NASA uh, using the Mars 2020 uh, rover. Uh, you've got China who's got their own uh, uh, rover. You've got the uh, European Space Station with Roscoe uh, doing a, a, a flyover uh, again at Mars. And even the UAE, which surprised me, uh, has uh, activity on Hope's Mars missions to study the atmospheric uh, chemistry above Mars. So there's a lot of 
effort. Uh, and there, there's been a change from a government space agency in NASA to uh, to a commercialization or or partnership between the government, commercial, and uh, even private companies more and more. Uh, that's just one example. And I can imagine the type of uh, uh, software, hardware, uh, uh, navigation system, the precision guidance that is necessary to execute these missions. Uh, also, what I see, Hawks, is the uh, you know the uh, uh, the uh, crew compartments of launching a U.S. astronaut back into space. It's been since 2011, nine years ago. Uh, you know, we've got uh, SpaceX working their uh, their. Uh, um, I believe they're uh, Crew Dragon, and you got the Starliner vehicles. So all those things, the International Space Station, have been visited by, or trying to be visited by the Crew Dragon and Starliner. And of course, you got your own, uh, you know, the Space Launch System, Orion, uh, a capsule that will take astronauts into deep space. So all these things are happening now. Uh, even the Chinese are trying to return back to the moon a little bit, and it, it's been 44 years. Since uh, uh, since anybody has successfully landed on the moon, uh, you know, so that was the Soviet Union, 1770, uh, 1976, excuse me, uh, at Luna 24 mission. So I look at these dates and I'm going, what have we done in 44 years? What have we done in 11 years? Uh, but at the same time. Uh, space has revolutionized. Space has innovated itself. There is major effort in, in the space environment that has uh, uh, really brokered new technologies. And I'd like to go over some of the list, but uh, the new technologies, the new business models, the new service designs. So uh, let's let's focus on NASA and what are some of the technologies that you see coming out of this new space explore, uh, exploration? Not only the return going back to the moon, but the advances of Mars, uh, going uh, study the asteroids, you know, there's a, and then of course the stand up of the Space Force from a military perspective and all that. I mean, there are new technologies being uh, invented and uh, revolutionized and, uh, and, and changing the way we're going to be looking at space alone. Uh, any thoughts on those uh, topics there, Hawks? Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we have discussed before was the Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 spacecraft traveling at 26,000 miles per hour, and they lifted off in 1977, uh, August 20th for Voyager 2 and September 5th for Voyager 1. They have gone into the heliopause. They are outside our solar system now. But look at how many years it took us to get them there. So you're talking about 53 years to just barely get uh, outside our own solar system. So one of the problems that we come up against is how do we get across these long distances faster and safe? And, and so you sit there and you look at what, what new bit of investigation and discovery are we doing in propulsion uh, to allow us to go faster in interstellar space and uh, get to our, uh, uh, you know, to our destination faster. And one of the things that I've been reading about lately is the gravity and electromagnetism theory that uh, is out on the web by a guy by the name of Dr. John Brandenburg. 
And this guy has got the uh, theory down to 12 parts per million. That's pretty amazing. And so they're doing research on this theory now that may help us discover new pieces of subatomic particles which allow us to take advantage of stored energy in space, i.e. black energy and black matter that we've been trying to quantify over the last 10 years. This new particle, uh, the discovery of this new particle is called the X-17 particle. It's wrapped up in quantum mechanics and we're still trying to understand whether it is a carrier of a fifth force. And when I say that, uh, this it might be a dimensional thing, but you've got radiation weak force, which is like the illumination of, of your watch. You've got gravity and electromagnetism, and then the strong nuclear force, such as a nuclear bomb. So those are the four main forces that we've come up with. And so if this X-17 subatomic particle has energy associated with it, we could possibly use it as propulsion for spacecraft. So taking advantage of the energy that is inherent in these long stretches of space that have nothing in it. So, yeah, that's going to be a major that's, challenge. I, I'm glad you brought Let me go back a little bit because I want to set the record straight for the Voyager 2 and the Voyager 1. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, they measure, uh, I guess, distance in space through light years. And I go, okay, one light year is what? You know, and that's six trillion miles or nine trillion kilometers and i keep saying that because you know once we get into the billions and trillions uh, i lose count you, you can't phantom uh what that really means to us and for the voyager it's been 42 years six months and two days as of february 23rd 2020 it's been traveling in deep space voyager one has the same amount 42 years, five months, and seven days. It was launched a little bit after uh, Voyager 2, and they've gone their separate ways. But what's really interesting is that uh, Voyager 1 is 13.8 billion miles from Earth. And I, I look at that, uh, and I'm going, wow, that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of distance. That's a lot of distance. And then getting back to what you were talking about, as I look at uh, future technology and what space is going to bring, the propulsion system is something that we have to uh, have to uh, you know get a handle on if we're going to advance in space, especially uh, to go against those distances. Uh, it's just one of those things, and we're looking at right now. My understanding: chemical uh, propulsion, electrical, aero, and of course uh, other advanced propulsion system, flight controls. Uh, you know. Uh, Right now, the uh, um, um, the Boeing had a mishap on its uh, uh, initial. Uh, uh, I guess it was it the Dragon crew there in December. They couldn't reach the um, the space station and had to abort because they had a computer malfunction. So those avionics are really really critical. And then of course the uh, power and energy uh, that has to be stored in order to make those long flights. Uh, so any comments on the, the flight controls or energy and power uh, as well as propulsion there, uh, Hawks? Uh, the 
intensity of being able to develop <clears throat> uh, um, microchips and chips that support robotic and um, human collaboration on spacecraft is going to have to be essential. Um, the development of sensors, such, such as spectrographic responses um, on a spacecraft, so you could look out ahead of you where you were going, and so you wouldn't go into, a, let's say, a radiation field, which you can't see without having the technology on the spacecraft to see that problem coming forward. In other words, you do not want to run into a, a region of intense gamma rays because nothing's going to stop those. And right. so you have to have the sensors on the spacecraft to tell you that it's coming, and how do you ameliorate that uh, uh, safety issue? And that means that we have to combine our knowledge with robotics that can help protect us and define what uh, the dangers are in front of us. Perfect, perfect. Well, folks, if you want to know a little bit more what NASA is doing and what kind of uh, technology they're looking at, uh, please go to their website. Uh, they do have the 2020 uh, technology taxonomy. There's 17 major categories that they're looking at, and it covers everything from entry, descent, and landing to sensors and instruments, exploration of the destination system. The human uh, health, life support, and habitation is critical for a future uh, landings at Mars and the colonization of uh, Mars, especially the colonization initially at, uh, in the moon. So those are all interesting part. We've got about a minute left, so let me quickly summarize a little bit. Uh, as I said, today's show is uh, uh, technology forecast in the 2020. Uh, we've picked up uh, space because in the last three weeks we've been talking about space. Uh, we talked about space, the next frontier. We talked about uh, returning to the moon, and we talked about space robotics. And it's all critical in the advancement of uh, future technology, future use. Uh, this dual purpose uh, technology that we envision and invent for space use is also converted for mankind here on Earth to make our lives a little easier. And the technology is, is going to be super. As I said, go to the NASA webpage, look up the 2020 technology taxonomy. I've been talking about technology forecasts for 2020 with uh, Mr. Bruce Hawks Abbott. Uh, Bruce is a space pioneer. Uh, uh, really a space strategist, uh, individual who has uh, immersed himself uh, within the NASA culture to learn that. So in the next period, let me explore a little bit more about space, and then we'll go on to robotics and why robotics and automation has become so important. And we'll be right back in a few minutes. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Folks, uh, welcome back. This is Jose Negron, your host for uh, T3 uh, Today, Tomorrow Technologies. I'm here with Hawks Abbott. Uh, we're talking about uh, three different topics today. We started off talking a little bit about space. I'd like to wrap that up a little bit. It went a little bit long in the last period, but there's some more uh, interesting facts. I want to get to that uh, before we move on to our robotics. Uh, first of all, of course, uh, I wanted to say that NASA astronauts uh, from the United States I have not flown into space from U.S. soil since 2011. I said about nine years. We hadn't been back to the lunar surface in 44 years. Uh, Hawks talked a little bit about uh, the various uh, new technologies that we need to overcome, especially from a gravitational pull and the new propulsions and and the other activities that we talked about. But uh, I'm sitting here just uh, looking at uh, future space launches or uh, specifically satellites. You've got SpaceX launching in the near future almost 12,000 satellites. Right now, they've got, uh, I believe, the current uh, satellite constellation they have is almost uh, 300 satellites out of a uh, ultra-wide band to provide Internet access to those countries that do not have access right now. So that's 700 satellites in just one constellation. They're looking at 12,000. That's just SpaceX. And then you've got uh, Web1 with another 600 satellites. So the space is going to get crowded here, and that's just in uh, in the next few uh, a few years as we continue to uh, launch satellites and improve our uh, humanity and and way we live. Uh, for those of you who have not had the opportunity, I, I would suggest you go to uh, uh, Voice America uh, podcast, uh, the Variety Channel. Look up T three. Look up space, the next frontier. Look up space. Why return to the uh, to the moon? space robots take a look at how important is space and what do we know about space i think those are three podcasts that each one of you would like to know a little bit more about space uh it will give you specifics and i think it would be uh very important to provide you the background that you need uh hawks any last minute words on space as we move to our next topic uh last comment would be the uh 
the management of both the frequencies used and the amount of objects going into orbital uh, regime around our Earth uh, is going to have to be organized and planned. Otherwise, the debris will be so intense that uh, we'll lose, uh, we'll have collisions and we'll lose spacecraft. Uh, so we need to start looking very seriously at how we manage the frequencies and who are they controlled by and how are we going to manage in an FAA manner uh, the different uh, uh, spacecraft flying around our planet. Yep. And, you know, one of the – I believe I'm correct. I'll have to double-check myself or at least fact-check me. I believe the United States uh, is number one as far as the satellites. Uh, Russia's two. I believe China's third. But what was interesting to me in my research, somewhere Luxembourg showed up as uh, uh, controlling some satellites. And uh, and so that was kind of interesting that uh, they are uh, involved in satellite control. Uh, exactly what you're talking about is how do I manage – to launch satellites and make sure they don't bump into each other so we don't create this debris field in, in space. And just SpaceX alone, and I'll just stop at that, uh, is recording uh, about 21 launches in a single year. So you can think just uh, that's just one one uh, space agency or one commercial company launching. And so you've got China, Russia, uh, you had the UAE launching a, a satellite and a robot probe. And I thought that was kind of interesting. But anyway, let's uh, stop there on a space. Let's talk about uh, new technology trends for 2020, because I think that is really changing uh, the way we're living. All the uh, wireless companies and even broadband are talking about 5G network. Uh, the Huawei versus the 5G network here. Uh, automa- uh, autonomous driving is picking up speed. Uh, while it's not uh, maturing as fast as some of the early pioneers wanted it, it is it is a driving force. Uh, the empowered edge of uh, and the uh, uh, new technology and human augmentation. The cloud. I remember in 2004 uh, was a big uh, uh, innovation at that time when I was exposed to it, and that's 2004. Here we are 16 years later, and you got the Amazon uh, distributed cloud, which a lot of people are signing up. Personal profiling is becoming a big move in the 2020s. AI also increases uh, data po- uh, policies. Uh, the European Union has uh, gone after the five uh, big IT companies and says, hey, you can't just mine my, te- uh, my personal data without telling me and, and putting some type of security control. And, of course, uh, blockchain uh, technology, the monetary uh, markets are going to change drastically. I see that as the biggest change in the next five years is blockchain uh, technology. The medical upgrades with robotics, and I'll talk a little bit about robotics, it will also change. What do you see as we move forward, uh, Hawks, that uh, you're most impressed in the, in the current technology trends for 2020? It has to do with uh, cybersecurity. Um, In order to manage uh, the exchange of information, whether it's personal or private or business-wise or proprietary because somebody came up with the idea first, we have to have cybersecurity. Um, and, And that's going to be a critical element that we embed in everything that we do down the road, uh, whether it's a commercial or academic entity or 
you just inter- uh, emailing a note to your friend across the country or in, uh, in a different country on the other side of the world. We have to have secure communication. Yeah, that's going to become, I think, privatized, or I shouldn't say privatized, but the protection of your particular data is going to become more critical. And uh, the large companies, and we all have our opinions whether they should continue to grow or to be broken down into pieces, but uh, they're reaching trillion dollar uh, or a billion dollar each. So uh, that is a huge market for each one of them. And I know that has been an ongoing discussion among the business leaders as uh, these companies continue to grow. And what do we do about them? Because they are certainly uh, changing the landscape for most of us. But the takeaways on the tech trend is, uh, you know, as you said, uh, we're going to become more socially mobile. Uh, analytics and cloud computing has uh, picked up. Uh, the ability uh, to distribute t- technology, have artificial intelligence, the ability of uh, extended reality, and of course the quantum computing, which is just now picking up speed in the speed of delivery of the information has become really critical. Uh, I've already talked about personal uh, profiling for customers. We've got to change the way we do uh, the business right now. And I think uh, most businesses, based on the European uh, authorities who went after the big five because they weren't protecting uh, individual information enough, uh, that's going to change the way they do build, uh, business. The real critical thing is the reskilling because uh, uh, the new skill sets uh, that people ha- uh, need to have for for employment in the future is going to be critical. And I think that is, uh, is an important factor or just the way we educate. Uh, I still think we're not educating uh, folks uh, with the right curriculums, the right subjects, the right uh, uh, mannerism, so that uh, each person is ready to go tackle his or her future. And uh, that's just just something we just have to do. And there's all kinds of AI is going to continue to grow. I think it's still uh, at its beginning. We talked a little bit about 3D printing automation. Automation is going to change our landscape real good. Uh, with, between robotics and automation, uh, the 5G uh, speed that we're after, uh, you can see that technology is really going to change the landscape. Any comments on the trends that you see in business out there where you're at in the, in the Colorado Spring, Denver area, Hawks? Uh, I do. The, the uh, involvement of the medical field and robotics is going to become uh, – uh, a premier business place uh, in the context where a robot will do surgery on you and do it very exactingly. Um, the combination of look at all the amputees that we have had come back uh, from the wars overseas who are now ambulatory because, and they never would have been up until now, with new prosthesis devices that will be that will be improved in to a point will, where they will actually combine with the human body and be controlled uh, naturally by the human body. Um, that is a gangbuster of a business that will come forward and for people who are in accidents and car accidents and whatever else goes on in their lives that we will have the opportunity of replacing limbs and eyes and and, uh, hearing uh, devices that will become quite natural. In another 50 years, 
um, there will be people who are partially mechanical and partially uh, biochemical. And, yeah, but it's coming, and it will be to our benefit to take hold of it and take advantage of it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at uh, you know different ways uh, we use uh, robotics, the employment of robotics uh, with uh, AI, machine learning, automation. But um, the the field in robotics has just continued to grow. I mean, the agriculture use of robotics, uh, able to uh, spray the and control the weeds, uh, the ability to be, uh, have uh, smart harvesting, uh, planting uh, and seeding uh, your field, and pruning and thinning the field is also critical. I mean, this is a $12 billion business by 2022. And so it's got about a uh, 20% growth rate. Uh, construction robotics, we talked about robotics and, and, and industrial robotics, but these are collaborative robotics where you've got human and robots working together. That's, they're easier to maintain, they're easier to take care of, they're safer, and they're more uh, useful from the uh, what we I call it the automobile robotics or the factory robotic systems. Uh, the uh, construction robotics is critical. Consume uh, customer service robotics is uh, is a growing industry. We've also talked a little bit about defense robotics. That was uh, initially uh, outlaid about ten years ago uh, with IEDs or bomb uh, disposal units. Uh, they've been there. The demolition robotics is <laughs> what I was talking about. One of the topics that you mentioned that I think robotics is going to help a lot is the exoskeleton of robots, where folks are replacing different parts of their bodies or the use to the movement of their body if they're incapable of moving. Uh, Phil robotics. Uh, you've got uh, humanoid robotics, industrial cleaning robotics, inspection robotics, logistics robotics has continually grown. And one of the fields that you mentioned is the medical robotics. We had a show here with uh, Sarah Castillo uh, and talked about how medicine is uh, moving uh, faster and faster in the use of uh, robotics to improve surgery and, and provide different types of operation and capability. But the exoskeleton robots are really going to improve the way a human who is disabled move and an ability to live in a society that's moving very quickly. So I think all those points, Hawks, uh, you certainly have uh, brought out the, the importance of the uh, te technology, and especially in robotics and medicine and so forth. Any other words? We've got about four minutes left in the segment. Uh, yeah, the, the, the last part that we will involve uh, a change, a true change in who we are as humans is when we augment our chemical biological systems of the brain with storage devices that we can easily access uh, by manipulating our thought patterns. So if you could retain everything you heard over the last year uh, in a chip embedded in your skull, then you would be uh, immensely more um, competent in your day-to-day -day work and uh, efficiency of completing that work. So that's coming as well, and that's a change where humans are a little bit scared of, where we actually change who we are uh, from the biochemical uh, evolution that we've done over the last two million years, and now all of a sudden we're going to advance the capability of the human brain by what? Exponential growth? 
um, to to do calculations uh, in our head that we were never even conceived of 10 years ago or 50 years ago. Uh, I think it's in a very exciting time. Yes, and I like I said, I had a chance to visit my granddaughters over the weekend and look at them, and, and I cannot uh, say with uh, uh, more joy than, boy, your future is really bright because I see the technology just progressing. In fact, uh, lots of articles out there that the, uh, you know, the uh, innovation and the intricate uh, connectivity that we share around the world has just uh, uh, boomerang uh, or exploded the growth of technology. Uh, just AI products in 2030 will be will be contributing over 15 trillion dollars in the global economy. So when you start looking at that we had a show the other day about just uh, the machine learning apps and the apps on your phone you know that uh, uh, that people have continued to use in products uh, you know there's over a thousand apps I mean I don't know uh, sometimes I wonder if everybody uses those apps on their phones I, I know I've got about three or four pages and uh, sometimes I have to look at those apps and say am I really using it but the apps are coming out uh, better and better uh, that uh, um, integration uh, the ability to use uh, uh, that connectivity, 5G is going to, um, uh, that brought, uh, what is it, the wireless and the broadband communication. You got the big uh, movie companies and telecommunication companies uh, sitting there ba- battling out uh, who's going to provide the entertainment to the, uh, to the folks. So that's going to be a battle here that we're going to see, but it's going to be to our benefit because hopefully it'll be cheaper, faster, and better as we we continue to provide uh, uh, the uh, different technologies to the folks. We've got about a minute left. Hawks, you got uh, any any last word in this segment before we t- take off? Uh, if we understand how subatomic particles work, then all this uh, nanotechnology of smaller and smaller chips and more storage on those chips is going to change our world literally change it in the future, both in biochemistry as well as uh, um, in the development of those chips to aid us. And I think it's a very exciting time. I mean, I wish I could remember everything that I've read over the last 60 years. Wouldn't that be exciting? Man, I'd sort through that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I go back to a lot of my books. We've, uh, folks, we've been talking about technology forecasts for the 2020. We've talked a little bit about space and space exploration, space technology. We've also talked about uh, robotics and collaborative robotics, the increase in that market and the uh, the importance of that market as it, it continues to grow. It's going to be, you know, just AI alone. Uh, we're talking trillions of dollars. So in our third segment, what I'd like to come back to is just throw it out and talk about uh, generic technology across the board, uh, specifically just new technologies. Sometimes we don't even take, uh, we don't know or we don't appreciate or or something that uh, we need to talk about. And I'll just open it up to the audience to uh, uh, to uh, discuss and, uh, and, and of course, uh, email me at todaytomorrowstechnology at gmail.com. And we'll be right back.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests, which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune in to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. This is Jose Negron, your host for T3 Today, Tomorrow's Technology. I am talking to Hawks Abbott, the leading technologist, uh, strategist in the space world. Uh, and Hawks and I had the pleasure of talking about uh, technology forecasts for 2020. We started off talking a little bit about space and that technology uh, revolution as uh, we get ready to explore the universe and continue to uh, send uh, astronauts from the U.S. It's been nine years, 44 years since we've been on the moon, uh, to the moon, and then, of course, on to Mars. But uh, the colonization of space uh, uh, is going to be an interesting factor, and especially in the next uh, 10 to 20 years, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Also, we talked about uh, just SpaceX launching over 12,000 satellites. They're going to be the largest uh, um, commercial uh, holder of satellite and controlling satellites, and there's other companies out there, and we've got to be careful of the night sky and make sure they don't collide. And that's interesting uh, because uh, that's going to present an interesting uh, problem set. Next, uh, in the second segment, we talked about robotics. Robotics, uh, uh, different types of collaborative robotics from agriculture to medicine uh, and, and the capability and, and getting away from more of the industrial robotics that we're all uh, used to. In this segment, uh, it's going to be a fun segment. We're going to talk about uh, um, other activities, other technologies, other products that we're used to. 
I'll just open it up uh, on a couple of products, uh, and I would sh- I would invite everybody to go to the uh, uh, con- uh, Consumer Electronics Show they had uh, 2020. Uh, they describe uh, uh, various products there, but they've talked about uh, you know uh, the best TV, the laptop, the phones, the wearables, the gaming technology. Did you think gaming is going to be huge? And uh, I always like uh, the smart home technology, so I'm taking a look at that. Uh, you know the Wi-Fi smart locks. And, and the kitchen appliances have gotten smarter. Uh, the personal care tools, the home appliances, the fitness tech, uh, the Fitbits are, are, are really uh, taking off. In fact, there was a story in the, in the paper today that the Apple Watch, uh, 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 what was it, a student was in class or uh, all of a sudden it showed him that he had, had a rapid heart rate and he went to the doctor and, and he had, uh, had an issue there and it saved his life. So. So all these things are becoming more and more important. Soundbar, speakers, headset, auto tech, and cameras, all part of the uh, consumer electronics shows. I, I encourage each of you just uh, type in CES 2020 and go take a look at some of this new technology that's going to impact us. There is no question that 5G... Uh, as Hawks mentioned in the earlier segment, uh, quantum uh, mechanics, quantum uh, computing, quantum uh, uh, distribution is going to improve our life. And uh, the ability to understand that type of technology and use it is going to be critical. Uh, Hawks, I'll stop there. Uh, what are some of the key technology products you forecast for 2020 or some that you're currently using that you see uh, getting better in the future? Well, the the ability to be able to reach out very quickly and gain any piece of information that you want uh, to help you uh, uh, in your academic studies, in your day-to-day life, in your business, uh, or in relationships is going to be available. The problem is how do we get that to people safely and securely? Back to my issue on cybersecurity. If you're discussing a a very difficult emotional problem or social problem with somebody, you don't want everybody to know that. So you have to have that cybersecurity piece, and it has to be available to you so you can do something about it. A lot of people don't do things in life because they're scared of of, uh, somebody else knowing it or the medical problems associated with it uh, or things like that. And the way that you access information is going to become critical. And, and again, it has to be cyber secure. Um, and if you can store huge amounts of information readily at hand on your wrist or in your body, then it's like carrying a, an Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, 30 volumes of it, uh, and you can easily access any of it. So it's going to be an interesting time how we put that forward into individual lives in in our society to make it not only productive but safe and uh, to a degree of goodness for our society. 
Right, right. And that's a huge uh, issue there, uh, your personal information, your business information, the ability to protect information. Uh, I mean, I love to get a, uh, have a smart home. I have a smart home here, but uh, it's constantly being uh, tested as far as improving your security, your passwords, your uh, credentials so that uh, you keep away the hackers. Even uh, I read an article the other day, Tesla uh, car was hacked into. So uh, those kind of protections have to continue to increase, uh, and hopefully we've got the mechanisms to uh, do that. I do, I do know that the industry is working very hard to secure your personal information, to secure your uh, you know, information, uh, your Internet of Things, as you may want to recall, and so that is very important. Let me switch topics a little bit. Uh, you know, in my, uh, I'd say, younger days, but when my son was in Boy Scouts, uh, we used to go camping a lot, and I came across an article you know, about the accessories, 30 accessories that you need in your camping gear. And it includes anything from, uh, you know, a little notebook to keep uh, track of uh, where, what you're doing in the outdoors, your watches, your coolers, your your boots, your jacket, your flask, your th- socks, even a, a tent. And, and one of the things I keep, uh, I kind of marvel when I go to Dick Sporting Goods or Outdoor Bass or REI or any of those uh, stores because I... I, I sit there and I'm, I'm looking at this equipment and they, it's become better, lighter. Uh, and of course, if you're in the coal, um, you want something that's warm but thin. And and uh, one, of the, one of the transitions I guess I've done is on motorcycles because that's really what I've gotten into lately. And riding in the wintertime on a motorcycle, it's a little cool. The other day I took off from uh, uh, D.C. area down to uh, Richmond. It was 37 degrees and most people say why do you, why are you riding a motorcycle at 37 degrees it was just a beautiful day and and i i'd bought some uh some uh, winter gear uh, i wasn't the heated gear I, t- I left that i brought it with me just in case i needed because i knew i was going to come back at night but i brought the I, I just layered up on that uh Winter gear, rode down there, gloves, jacket, uh, uh, kind of a jumpsuit there, and it, it worked perfectly. I was very pleased with that heated gear, uh, but of course, I layered up, and and it worked uh, like a champ, and it was just a beautiful motorcycle riding day. Traffic was flowing, so I had no problem. Uh, the only thing that I had is that the tips of my fingers got a little cold, even with those gloves, and I left my, um, uh, I guess, glove inserts uh, at home, which I couldn't use so but i've had uh, heated grips my as many of you know i've done uh, a podcast on my motorcycle so go take a look at that and uh and i talked a little bit i've got the uh road glide limited 2020 uh, and it's just a beautiful technology bike uh, from mapping gps heated grips uh you can add the heated seats uh all kinds of uh technology i bluetooth it so i've got a series running i've got uh, local programs heck i can even stream a TV program or a movie on it if I needed to. So that all all that's interesting. But the bottom line is uh, riding in the cold weather, and I rode back that night. It was 30 degrees, but I put on some uh, what I call uh, handlebar guards um, uh, around my uh, grips on the handlebars, and that kept the wind off my fingertips, and that worked like a champ. And like I said, even at 30 degrees, riding back at uh, 75 miles an hour, uh, you know, with chill factor about 10 uh, degrees, I was very comfortable. I cannot say. So a gear 
uh, wearing your the right gear and the activities you're doing is critical. And I'm just uh, interested in this article, uh, Adventures, Accessories, 30 Camping Gears Essential. It was written uh, by Sean uh, 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 Terman, and it's interesting. They even have titanium utensils. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting uh, for me as I went along. Hawks, any other uh, inputs on uh, products or technologies that you've used at home or see people use? Well, the car industry is doing it right now, uh, where it tells you that there's somebody coming up behind you that you didn't hear or see. Uh, they're using... Uh, um, uh, radars to be able to tell how far people are uh, ahead of you and behind you and so on. So there's advancements in comfort in, in uh, uh, vehicles, and they will become automated in time where uh, there will be no specific driver. You will just get in a vehicle, tell, you, tell it where you want to go, and it will take you there. No, that is fantastic. I have the new sensor package on uh, my car, and the uh, you know the technology package, uh, collision avoidance, uh, uh, the uh, the ability for the rear mirrors or sensors to indicate a car is about to pass you or you're cleared to p- go. Uh, you know, move in that lane. The ability for the car uh, to to um, um, give you the distance ac- acceleration, whether you're going to have a collision or not, uh, or not, because the car in front of you stop and you didn't realize that so all those uh, technologies in the vehicles are coming and i'm glad you brought that up because one of the major things i love to talk about is the autonomous vehicle and uh, and the ability of those sensor technologies that really came out of uh, that particular program in uh, 2013 the grand challenge out of darpa uh, when we started doing the autonomous vehicles there's a lot of autonomous self i'm not going to say fully autonomous because the the highway department has classified autonomous vehicles in about six different categories i won't go through every category but we're somewhere around category two and three depending on the vehicle that you get and the, and the amount of money you want to spend on autonomous vehicle but enough to say that it is an interesting process to uh watch a new tesla new uh, mercedes band new uh um you know um let's say uh, ford uh drive itself uh and i'm not going to say fully autonomous but uh, uh almost uh, completely autonomous the ability to self-park is, is, is a reaction of the, some of that autonomy. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, one topic I would like to bring out is energy. I think energy is going to be the, the next major revolution. I know we've been talking about wind energy. We've been talking about solar energy and the different components of that. But I, I do think that uh, uh, possibly nuclear power is going to come back, especially with fourth generation, fifth generation uh, reactors. But more importantly, how do we use all the spent fuel reusable fuel that we need to do and i think there is uh there there is uh, an ability and utility to use some of that uh, spent fuel that's been laying around and because there's about 97 percent of that spent fuel still usable and 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 three percent that is really uh critical that needs to be buried for 300 years but there's no reason to uh bury the entire lot when only three percent of it needs to be buried so that's something i'd like to talk a little bit about in future programs uh again uh, i'm looking at the uh another topic and i talked a little bit about the gear outdoor gears and i'll read this quote the outdoor industry has come a long way since wool coats wooden skis uh, were reigned supreme decades ago today vacuum 
insulated coolers, ultra premium waterproof technology uh, where nothing can uh, hinder the outdoorsmen. And that's critical because that's what I was looking for in my motorcycle gear is waterproof. And trust me, if you heard my story about driving in a motorcycle from Knoxville, uh, Tennessee down to uh, uh, West Monroe, Louisiana, and I thought I was going to go through a rainstorm, maybe three to four hours. I ended up in that rainstorm for about 10 hours, and it was critical. So uh, having uh, cold weather gear, waterproof, and the ability to have a base layer was critical that day. So we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, Hawks, uh, I'll let you kind of uh, summarize one or two articles, and then we'll come back. Well, in in summarizing advanced technology, every now and then we need to look back at what we've done and how it's been documented by the people around us. One of the things that I learned at NASA, one of the smartest things they did was in the beginning of Mercury, they hired space artists to document what was going on. It wasn't just a series of black and white photographs. They hired people like Robert McCall and Pat Rawlings and Joe Tushiron and William Hartman to do paintings. As you know, uh, Robert McCall was the guy who did the, the large, uh, huge painting inside the uh, Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. about landing on the moon. And, perfect. perfect. Uh, well, let me, let me cut you off right there, Hawks. Let me cut you off. You're running out of time here. Let me just say, folks, we've been talking about technology forecasts for 2020. My guest was Hawks Habit. Thank you, Hawks. Uh, my executive producer is Dee Daniels, and my executive assistant is Alexander Loreno. And this is your host, Jose Negron. Uh, looking forward to discussing uh, future technologies with you. Uh, we're on every Tuesday, uh, noon East Coast time, 9 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, I bid you good day. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.